Hey guys, if you're interested in checking out a video version of the show, please visit the Low Key Geek channel on YouTube. There you can not only catch the video version of the podcast, but you can also check out my other projects and short form video that I produce. You can find a link in the description. Otherwise, sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Paramount scrambles its jets and moves Top Gun 2 to 2022. Looks like we're gonna get a brand new Rocketeer movie. And Frank Oz isn't getting enough love from Disney. Why is my shirt wrinkled? It's laundry day. And it's time for another episode of the Talking Talk Pod Showcast. So let's get to it. What's going on, guys and gals? Welcome to another episode of the Talking Talk Pod Showcast, your unofficial weekly pop culture podcast video show whatever you want to call it but hopefully you are spending some time and joining me as i recap some of the top stories of the week um, as i mentioned previously in my last episode i am recording this episode a little bit earlier in the week um, i am going on a little vacation for labor day weekend so I uh, just wanted to make sure i get something out there for you guys uh, so if there's some news that dropped that happens to be big towards the end of the week uh more than likely i will have a chance to talk about that in the next episode but thank you guys as always for all your support and joining um for your audio for the audio listeners thank you as well again um let me get this out of the way as always if you like what you see hit that like button subscribe to the YouTube channel if you haven't done so already. Again, these are the great free ways to show your love and support to little old me. Um, and uh, what really, really helps is if you follow and download the episodes on your podcast platform of choice where you could find Talking Talk um, every week on there, uh, as, long, as well as some future episodes that we'll be launching very soon so again thank you guys um i hope you are all gearing up for a nice labor day weekend here in the u.s um yeah it's one of those uh last hurrahs for summer um and you know the summer has been a very interesting one especially for myself where i you know because of the absence of movie going last year due to the pandemic i have been watching a lot of movies um and it's been you know, mixed feelings being back in the movie theaters. Um, it was great in the very beginning because I felt like, you know, there was a great sense of distancing and I felt, you know, comfortable in not being so close to anyone. And um, now, you know, just recently I watched Candyman and, um, you know, people just d don't seem to care much about the distancing anymore. And, you know, there was a family of like 12 that decided to come and watch Candyman, all of which seemed to be like um, kids in their early teens, uh, which I found very interesting for a movie like that. And yes, there was a baby. They brought a baby in the movie theater to watch Candyman. So, you know, I'll leave my thoughts on that for a future episode. But the reason why I'm talking about movies, and if you've watched my or listened to my last episode... Um, I was very much excited to hear about 
Top Gun 2, uh, or Top Gun Maverick, as the official title is. Because CinemaCon happened recently, and Paramount did their presentation, and they talked a lot of good stuff about Top Gun 2. Um, they showed the beginning of the movie, I think the first 15 minutes of the movie, and from what I heard, it was spectacular. And it had all the nostalgia feels to it and all that. Well, today is Wednesday, and it was announced by Paramount that they have decided, because of COVID concerns with the new Delta variant, that Top Gun Maverick will now be moved to 2022. Um, it's planned release date was November of this year, um, November 19th to be specific. Um, and now they are pushing it to May 27, 2022, uh, Memorial Day weekend. Um, it looks like they really wanna um, capitalize on a holiday weekend and they're hoping, hoping that by then, um, you know, Delta concerns would be little less and hopefully the pandemic will be in a better spot but uh yeah i'm really bummed out about that but before i get into that they've also announced other dates that have been moved around uh jackass forever which was supposed to open up in october uh october 22nd will now be moving to february 4th 2022 um and mission impossible 7 which was originally slated to open on May 27, 2022, which is the new date of Top Gun Maverick. That will now open up on September 30th, 2022. So some movement there. But yeah, I'm bummed. I got to be honest. I am bummed about Top Gun uh, 2, uh, Top Gun Maverick, because, you know, I was a huge, and still am, a huge fan of the original movie. And... Um, I have fond memories of that movie. I watched it in the theater. I was probably too young to watch that in in the theater, but it was the eighties. I mean, you know, I feel like you know, parents took their kids to watch movies that they probably shouldn't have. Um, but the movie itself is one of those classic eighties movies um, of the time. You know, Tom Cruise was blowing up, you know, really, really hitting his mark there in the 80s. We were introduced to Val Kilmer and, you know, the relationship between Maverick and Goose, you know, that still holds up today. Um, and like I said, hearing all the great news that broke from CinemaCon about Top Gun Maverick really, really got me pumped even more so. I mean, watching the trailer alone was exciting enough. and. Uh, I really couldn't wait to see what was going to be, you know, in store for us with this new movie. So it is unfortunate, but it does look like Hollywood studios are taking the Delta variant very seriously. And if you've been, you know, paying attention to box office numbers like I have been on a weekly basis, we're not anywhere close to where we were pre-pandemic as far as revenue is concerned for movies um, that are released in cinemas. Um, earlier in the summer, we saw uh, a glimpse of hope of, of things getting back to what they could have been um, with the release of Kong versus Godzilla. I believe that pulled in around 55 million or 57 million opening weekend. 
Fast and Furious, which did really well. Black Widow pulled in like 80 million. So it looked like we were about to get back to how things were. And then Delta came across and started spreading out more and more, causing more concerns. And then though, you know, box office numbers have dropped significantly. Um, Candyman opened up recently, like a, l a little bit above 20 million. Um, and that was considered a triumph for what we've been seeing lately. So Hollywood's taking these things seriously. Um, I believe Sony was also toying around with the idea of pushing Venom 2 out even further. Um, we will wait and see what the reaction is because, you know, Top Gun is considered to be one of the top tier movies of the year. Um, a lot of anticipation for that. So we'll see what happens. It looks like Warner Brothers and Disney are pretty firm with their dates, especially with Shang-Chi opening up this weekend um, and Eternals opening up um, in a couple of months. So we'll see what happens if any other studio, you know, box and kind of, you know, decides to change their release dates once again. After a year of tons of speculation of release dates moving and shifting and all that. Um, so regardless, you know, if these dates stick, um, 2022 is looking to be a pretty big year for movies once again. Hopefully things will get back to normal and we could all enjoy watching movies in the cinemas there. So, yeah, but like I said, I can't help but be a little bit bummed about this because, again, this is a movie that I was eagerly anticipating. So, but with that being said, um, some good news and exciting news that came out earlier this week was that it looks like Disney Plus is gearing up to produce the, a new Rocketeer movie. Um, the Rocketeer is uh, making a comeback on Disney Plus. Um, the original movie opened up, I believe, in 1991, if I remember correctly. Um, and it, you know, throughout the years, it became a very huge cult classic. Um, I, I'm sure most people never watched the movie when it came out. Um, I, for one, also have fond memories of this movie. Um, I watched it in the theaters with one of my brothers. Um, and I loved it. I enjoyed the movie all the way through. I still consider The Rocketeer to be a top 10 comic book movie, um, in my opinion. Um, it ranks right up there with The Crow and, you know, obviously the earlier uh, Marvel films and what have you. Um, the Nolan Dark Knight um, movie uh, with Batman. But uh, the one thing I will say about the original Rocketeer was that uh, with uh, myself approaching my mid-teens, it was uh, quite a big sexual awakening when I saw Jennifer Connelly on the big screen there. Um, and I'll leave it at that. Um, but the whole movie, again, was quite enjoyable. It was very um, close to like those serialized um, action shows that people used to watch in the 50s on TV or the serials that you listen to on the radio. Uh, it is based off of a very old comic, um, you know, that, you know, featured a lot of fights with Nazis, you know. So if you're like a huge Indiana Jones fans and you're, you're you know, a big fan of that era, especially like action movies, um, this was definitely up there. And um, it was just a fun movie, very enjoyable. And it's, it's nice to see that, you know, now is probably a good time to bring that 
uh, IP back because I think there's a lot of things they could do they can do with it and right now it looks like they have a pretty interesting idea which I'm pretty down for so it looks like the new movie is gonna focus around a retired Tuskegee Airman who takes up the mantle of the Rocketeer um, which I think is a pretty cool idea I like the sound of that um, it will star uh, David Oyelowo, um, better known as uh, the, um, he's the one who portrayed uh, Dr. Martin Luther King in Selma. Um, and it looks like he will be a producer on this project as well. So really, really excited and interesting to, and interested to see what's going to come out of this movie. Um, it would have been nice to hear that they were going to think of putting this into cinemas and into the theaters. Um, not sure how I feel about it being just a Disney Plus movie. Uh, I hope that doesn't mean that the quality is going to be bad. But if you've watched any of the Disney Plus releases that went directly to Disney Plus, um, you know, pretty decent stuff overall. Um, you know, let's not forget about what they've been doing with Star Wars with The Mandalorian and Marvel with, you know, the WandaVision, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, or I should say Captain America and the Winter Soldier, and Loki. So if if that says anything, then I'm hoping that this new Rocketeer will really, really look great and feel great and just tell a great story. I just, you know, like I said, this is a type of character and movie that they could do so many things with. Um, especially around that, you know, the time that this character takes place, uh, this character like, you know, lives in. So really, really exciting. I hope that they do a good job and I can't wait to see what happens there. So really interesting stuff there. Um, another bit of interesting news that broke out, um, this time in video games, um, China. It appears that China has decided to roll out new limits on game playing by minors. So the new rule uh, basically says that um, it would prohibit children from playing games, video games entirely from Monday through Thursday. So that means if you were a child living in China, or if you are a child living in China, um, you will be allowed to play games Friday through Sunday along with public public holidays um, but limiting it for only one hour of gaming a day between the times of 8 p.m. and 9 p.m. Um, it looks like this is um, an addition to some other measures that China has been implementing for gaming companies in China to uh, to really focus and hone in on gaming habits of minors um, now one of the first questions I had in my mind when I read this is well, how the hell are they going to enforce it, right? Um, let's not forget that China is still a communist country. Uh, they do uh, limit and um, monitor what is exposed to the people who live there. So basically, like for example, there are a lot of bans on Google, Facebook. Um, that's why they have a lot of their own um, search engines and social platforms there. Um, so they really, really do monitor and control a lot of what is being exposed to the people who live in China. Um, so I'm sure it's not going to be that hard to be able to monitor all this stuff. The one thing I did read that is very fascinating is that earlier in the year, uh, Tencent, who is one of the biggest gaming companies there in China, 
they launched a facial recognition technology in its games that they put out to prevent children from playing games between 10 p.m. and 8 a.m. So if you if you are a child in China and you're playing one of the 10 cent games, if you log in on your mobile phone, the camera will they will I guess there's a facial scan for before the game launches and it won't launch unless it scans your face. So if you're a child and it scans your face, oh look, you're a child. Sorry, you can't play. It's already 11 p.m. Go to bed. Um, so really, really interesting stuff there. And uh, what what is this going to do for the industry? Um, here in the States, I don't think it's really going to do that much. However, I'm sure it will um, pique the interest of some uh, parental groups and um, some other organizations out there who have always been complaining about the exposure of kids and technology, especially when it comes to smartphones and the internet and, you know, video games. It's always been a huge battle on how many hours should a child be on the t on TV, uh, watching TV? How, how many hours should a child be surfing the internet or being on their phones? And it's kind of hard, especially here in the States, and I'm sure it's like this a lot in other countries, but you know, if you are a busy parent um, and you just need a timeout for yourself, or maybe you you're, you have a very hyperactive child uh, who always constantly needs to be doing something, and I've seen this in person, and you know, I've also seen this with family members and what have you, they will just give the child a phone, pop on a game and let them go to town with it. And this is now their distraction for the next hour or two. Um, and because of this type of mentality, and it happens a lot, kids, as they grow up, they tend to, you know, kind of have this reliance on technology to entertain them, distract them. Um, maybe it's the only form of entertainment that they know at the time. And so they, they take that with them as they grow up. Um, some kids have developed dependencies on this too, and it causes depression and it causes, you know, anxiety and, you know, social awkwardness because all they're doing is constantly looking at their phones. And I can see how that is a huge concern and I can see how many parents and organizations and groups out there will see, will look into what China is doing and say, how can we incorporate that here? Now, it's going to be a little harder, I'm sure. Um, but, you know, I won't be surprised if there's talks going around about it right now. Um, you know, years ago, there were there was a lot of controversy and complaints about kids who would play these games on their phones that belong to their parents or they, they're using accounts that belong to their parents. And they'll start purchasing in-game stuff through those, those accounts. And then before you know it, a parent gets the bill the next month and it's like $500, $1,000, huge amounts of money, right? Um, I'll never forget, and I'm dating myself, but, and I don't know if a lot of you remember, but there was a Smurfs mobile game that came out some time ago, a long time ago. And basically, it's one of those mobile games where you're just building up your Smurf village, right? You could build your houses and then you have to do farm work to create resources and all that kind of stuff like that. Unlock um, your neighbors, which could be Papa Smurf or Smurfette or what have you. 
Um, and the game offered in-game purchasing to purchase like upgrades and purchase materials and you know new things and all that and kids were just going to town buying these things because it they were never forewarned that hey by the way this is using real money real life funds and there were tons and tons of complaints from parents saying oh my god you know all of a sudden now i owe you know five thousand dollars because of this stupid smurfs game right and i know that caused a lot of controversy and it caused a lot of discussion around in in app purchases and in-game purchases and all that so now there's a lot of warnings ahead of time especially when you download something like they will always tell you in advance game will include in-app purchasing or or whatever have you um just to give those you guys a heads up and everything so really interesting to see how this is going to play out uh we may not know the full effects because again china is very cautious with what kind of information or communications are leaked out of china um but very interesting stuff here and in a way i got to give them props for uh curtailing a, a, a problem that is really existing here in the world uh, as far as technology dependencies and and we all suffer from it too you know i mean when I wake up in the morning, I try my best not to look at my phone first thing, but sometimes it's so easy to, right? Because you want to know what alerts did I get? What's going on on Twitter? You know, what's happening on Facebook? You know, what's the latest Instagram post or, or what have you? Um, me being a content creator, I'm always looking on YouTube. It's like, all right, what's the newest videos? You know, how did my other video do? You know, are there any comments? I need to reply to my comments, which I love doing, but you know, if you don't really set a schedule for yourself or set some time just for you turn all that crap off for for a little bit every now and then um it it really helps your mental state you know and with the type of year and a half that we've had with corona and now delta you know a lot of our mindsets and the mentalities around the world is just not in a good spot right so I find it extremely helpful just to turn off every now and then uh, or just curtail it dur during the week or during the day because um, I think too much dependency on technology can be a bad thing and it's nice just to be able to you know maybe just sit in a room and not have to worry about what's going on online or when you're taking a trip you know don't always focus on taking pictures or posting your updates of where you are always online whether it's like instagram or twitter uh, sometimes it's good just to not always have to do that right you can always go back to it you know but take a break i think it's very very helpful and trust me your mental state would probably probably be in a better place right so and don't get me started on some of you out there who you know release all your aggression and your grievances on facebook i mean the amount of posts i see about um someone complaining about this or that or you know i literally without naming any names i literally have a friend on facebook from that i could pretty much gauge the amount of depression this person has gone through from pre-pandemic to now and how the mental state has just been in a steady decrease, right? And, you know, all of us, we're, we're trying our best to cheer that person up and, you know, joke around and all that. But it just, 
you could see it how it's gotten worse and worse and worse and you know sometimes it, that could be a good thing um, you know so we can see signs if someone really is in desperate need of help and you know I've said this before help is always out there for anyone who needs it um, you just have to take that step and, and go out there and, and reach out for it right you know talk to somebody tell a friend tell a family member there's always someone who's going to be out there willing to listen to you right so but yeah it's just really really interesting and um you know we'll see what happens here but i think this is a very interesting piece of news that came out so let me know your thoughts on this and the other stuff i've talked about so far again don't forget leave your comments i reply to the comments as often as possible i love having conversations with the viewers of my channel and listeners of the podcast um that's why i'm here trying to connect with all of you so that we can have great discussions and build this community up so um the last piece of news and again this is probably going to be a smaller episode because again i am um doing this way earlier than i would have normally um but this is something that also touches me very deeply uh, in the feels and in my heart and you know because of my childhood and how i grew up so frank oz uh, i'm sure most of you are familiar with frank oz but for those of you who may not frank oz you know let's go back to top gun right maverick had goose that was his guy right and, you know every time they were in the thick of it goose was there well until he died unfortunately but uh spoiler alert um but Frank Oz is the goose of Jim Henson, to Jim Henson, right? Uh, Jim Henson is the creator of the Muppets. He's the one that helped create Sesame Street. Um, Frank Oz was with Jim Henson from the early beginnings. They were partners. They were, you know, Frank Oz considers Jim to be like a brother to him. Uh, Frank Oz was responsible for not only the puppeteering, but the voices of a lot of characters that we grew up with. Um, if you were a child of the 70s or 80s, um, you are very familiar with the Muppets and Sesame Street, you know, and into the 90s as well and all that. But Frank Oz is responsible for the voices of Fozzie Bear, Miss Piggy, Cookie Monster, Bert, Grover, Animal, Sam the Eagle, just to name a few. In the Star Wars universe, Frank Oz is the one who gave us Yoda. He was the one who puppeteered and voiced Yoda. Still does on occasion too, uh, which is great to hear and all that. You know, so, and then later on in life, Frank Oz also became a very prominent director. A lot of the movies some of you may be very familiar with, and some of these movies are some of my favorite movies too. Um, Little Shop of Horrors, Dirty Rot the Scoundrels, What About Bob, Bowfinger. Um, you know, Bowfinger. Bowfinger is one of the most underrated uh, Eddie Murphy movies out there. It's Eddie Murphy and Steve Martin. And just to give you a quick premise, Steve Martin is a movie director who's, you know, down and out in his luck, trying his best for so many years to hit that, to, to write that, and to write and direct that huge Hollywood movie. Um, and Eddie Murphy plays um, this, you know, let's let's compare him to like Will Smith. You know, he plays like the Will Smith movie star and all that. And of course, hijinks ensues and all that. And 
uh, Steve Martin tries to do a movie with this star without him knowing. And I'll just leave it at that. I won't spoil it. Um, I should probably do uh, a watch along or, you know, some sort of commentary for that movie because that movie is so good. It, it, I actually just watched it like a month ago and it still holds up. But yeah, Frank Oz directed that movie. So Frank Oz has been a part of The Muppets for a very long time up until I would say the late 2000, well, not late 2000s, but like around 2000-ish, right? Um, so Frank Oz did a interview recently with The Guardian, and I will um, include a link in the description of this video and the podcast uh, for you audio listeners out there. And basically, we come to find out that Frank Oz has never retired officially from the Muppets. However, it doesn't look like Disney wants to include him with any projects that they've been working on. You know, which is fascinating to me, which is really, really fascinating. And I'm going to read you a little excerpt, excerpt from, from this article that basically points out why Frank Oz feels this way and all that. Um, and basically it goes like this. Oz hasn't worked with the Muppets since 2007 and it's been assumed that he'd retired or was retired. Um, but that assumption is incorrect. Uh, quote from Frank Oz himself, I'd love to do the Muppets again, but Disney doesn't want me and Sesame Street hasn't asked me for 10 years. They don't want me because I won't follow orders and I won't do the kind of Muppets they believe in, he says. He can't bear to watch the Muppets or Sesame Street today because the soul's not there. The soul is what makes things grow and be funny, but I miss them and love them. And that's sad. That's really, really, really sad. You know, um, you have one of the founding fathers of the Muppets and Sesame Street still alive and kicking. I believe he's like 80 now or approaching 80. And he, ha he, he can't even work with the creation that he helped create. Now, I don't know if you've watched, if anyone of you have watched any of the recent iterations of the Muppets on Disney. Sesame Street is no longer in public you know, television. It's now on HBO Max. So you basically now have to pay to watch Sesame Street, which I have my own thoughts about. Um, especially when you look at the deep roots of how Sesame Street started and why it started the way it did. But the Muppets recently, even though as someone who grew up with the Muppets, I'm with the Muppets, I, I will always have that nostalgia feeling to, um, connected to it. And I will always watch whatever they put out. And when you first start watching, especially the, the latest I, uh, Muppets Now that hit Disney Plus, I believe uh, a year ago, uh, a year or two ago. In the very beginning, the first couple of episodes, it was very cute. You know, I was like, oh my God, look at that. That's really funny. Um, they're really trying to hone in on the current trends of today. You have Miss Piggy doing, um, yes, it was a year ago because uh, Miss, the, the whole premise was that everyone was on Zoom. And they're trying to organize the show through Zoom. You have, you know, Scooter trying to, uh, you know, wrangle everyone together um, and trying to upload clips for their show that they're trying to put together. 
Uh, Miss Piggy did like a fashion show, very much like something you would see on E. You know, so she had certain guests, but she would always talk about her style, her fashion style, um, and uh, the trends that she's into and, and all that. Um, and it was a very, very cute premise until you've seen it over and over and over again. It, it looks like they just kept writing the same joke until it, you know you were blue in the face, right? Or they were blue in the face or someone was blue in the face. But it, it looked like they just couldn't think of anything different. And it made the show stale and not that funny anymore and i remember watching it and after a while i was just like it felt like a chore it's like well when are they gonna throw something new out there okay we get it yeah miss piggy's doing the, the fashion blog and all that stuff like that and you know kermit is you know trying to interview celebrities but always getting interrupted beaker and bunsen they're trying to do like a Mythbusters type of show, which in the beginning was really really funny it was really really well thought out but then it just got like repetitive, you know, and when the Muppets first came out and maybe it's just a sign of the time that we're in now. I don't know. And I, this is something I've always wanted to do. I've always wanted to do a, a deeper dive into Muppets then and now. Um, but when the Muppets came out, it was because Jim Henson was trying to do something different. He was trying to incorporate his brand of humor and television to a more adult-oriented audience with the Muppets. I'm not talking about Sesame Street. I'm talking about the Muppets. And he was trying to prove that this type of entertainment can hit really well with audiences. Whether you're young, middle-aged, old, it's something that was very fresh and new. You know, the Muppets, when you look at the older episodes, they didn't always cater to a younger crowd. You know, they did a lot of stuff that, that were very, you know, adult focused. And, you know, just like how Warner Brothers, you know, does it with their Looney Tunes and all that, they always had something there extra for the adults so that someone like me, my age now, will really appreciate. But someone me at the age back then thought it was cute because he had a bunch of these Muppets singing songs and t telling corny jokes and slapstick comedy and all that stuff like that and that was really all like good so everyone watching was entertained for a different different reason right shows today uh, you're dealing with a more add type of crowd you know they, they something will land for like a minute but then they need something fresh like soon like come on keep it rolling keep it rotating right that's why you have things like TikTok and um you know YouTube shorts now being so popular with the younger generation because they liked quick, quick things, quick things, quick things. And I feel like most of the time, if you don't capture an audience within the first two minutes, first minute or what have you, you lost them, right? And sometimes when you watch them up, it's, it's worth to kind of keep going because then they hit you with something at the end or it's it's uh, something that will last as far as the comedy elements will last throughout the entire 30 minutes or what have you. Like there's a theme, right? And a lot of this stuff back then was very thematic. Um, but I feel like now in going back again to technology, um, the Muppets, they don't really appeal to many of today's generation because they're used to seeing things like that are so high tech out there now and um, the charm is 
not where it should be, you know? And maybe this is to Frank Oz's point. The soul is missing, right? It's no longer you trying to connect with the Muppets, just like how I felt back then. Because the Muppets always did something that tried to connect to the audience, something personal, something emotional. Now it's almost as if they're just parroting everything that you see around you. Um, and that was always a part of the Muppets. Like parodies is was always a part of the humor. But they, they mixed it in with a lot of the more connecting elements, a lot of the more emotional stuff. Um, and I think that type of humor no longer sits that well now with today's crowd. One of the reasons why you don't see a lot of those parody movies, like, you know, your Naked Guns or your Hot Shots or scary movies or whatever, is because they don't seem to land that well anymore with audiences. And, and also a lot of those, the more recent ones that they try to do just sucked. I mean, it was just painful to watch. But I feel people are over that type of comedy for some reason, right? They, they it's. It has to be fresh. It has to be raw. It has to be, you know, like I said, you got to hit you in the first couple minutes or else you're done. Um, you know, Sesame Street, on the other hand, you know, they still have that. They're still doing the same connecting points and they're using a lot of the stuff that happens in today's world to connect with children, you know, so they're still trying to do all that. So, but when it comes to the Muppets, uh, it, it's hard to really say, like, how can you you know, bring this type of uh, impact back to an audience when it's already been seen or it's already been done or it's already been played out, right? Um, and maybe it is the fact that there's no more soul to these shows because Disney owns the property and Disney wants to create a product that they believe the audience would like to see. And that's why the tone shift. Now, Disney doesn't own Sesame Street. They only own the Muppets, right? So they're trying to ad adjust the show to today's market. So they feel the comedy there is the parodies, the, the, the play on um, the things that we see a lot out there every day. Um, they think that is the comedy that we want to see or the type of entertainment we want to see from the Muppets, right? Um, and, and maybe it they need more of that connecting tissue. They need more of that. What can we connect personally to the audience? Bring that emotion back to bring that feel those feels back. You know, there's a reason why I love the Muppets because they made me love them, you know, with the things that they would talk about with the relationships between the Muppets, you know, the, the, the Muppets now, you hardly had the Muppets interacting with each other. Every individual Muppet or duo had their own show and they were just put, trying to put on a show for everyone. But you never saw any of them interact with each other like a community. You know, that was great. That was the one thing that was great about the Muppet show back in the day is that everyone was trying to do a show, but they were all together. You know, so, you know, they had their beefs, they had their, you know, uh, little romantic relationships, you know, they had uh, Kermit running around frantic trying to corral everyone and, you know, understanding why Gonzo is this way and Fozzie, don't tell that joke, that's not funny. Miss Piggy, all right, yeah, you look great, you know, get along with this celebrity or what have you. 
Um, maybe it's it's because of the pandemic that they weren't able to do a program like that, or you know. But we don't know what's in in store in the future for the Muppets because I don't think the reception of Muppets now is that great. I haven't heard about them picking up a second season. There hasn't been that much talks about a new Muppet movie, uh, a movie related with the Muppets. So. So to Frank's point, uh, he could be right. You know, there seems to be some sort of soul that's missing. And it is unfortunate that he can't seem to work well with Disney. Now, let's play devil's advocate here, too. I've heard many times in many stories that Frank Oz is a difficult person to work with. Um, he doesn't like to follow orders. Him and Jim had a lot of run-ins and butted heads many times. This is very well documented. Um, the more documentary, do, documentaries that you watch or behind the scenes that you watch with them working on The Muppet Show and doing read-throughs and all that kind of stuff like that. And maybe Frank Oz is just that, you know, older guy who is just hard to get along with and it's his way or the highway, doesn't want to listen to anyone. And Disney, I'm sure, is filled with a lot of more younger generation people working there behind the scenes. So... It could be another it could be a mixture of that too why he's not getting the work or not getting the love from disney but it is kind of unfortunate to hear that and, and to to read about that um but it's an interesting article article regardless and i think you should you guys should check it out um like i said i will leave the link for you in the description for you guys to read um if you have the nostalgia like i do i think it's very worth reading um, and Frank Oz, I mean, he's he is a brilliant mind, great cre creator, uh, great director. And like I said, those movies are still some of my favorite movies, uh, you know, of all time. And uh, Bowfinger, don't forget about Bowfinger. That is like one of the best underrated Eddie Murphy comedies with the great Steve Martin. So I highly, highly, highly recommend that you watch that. So. So yeah, so that's about all the topics that I'll be discussing about this week. Again, give me feedback. Um, has this been entertaining for you guys? Um, what kind of topics or stories would you like me to talk about? I actually was going to talk about another topic, but because of time constraints, I couldn't get enough of the research. And then an article just dropped about it um, earlier today that I didn't have time to digest. So. Hopefully in the next episode, that's something that I could discuss. Um, but yeah, let me know what you guys think. But before we go, like I mentioned previously, there is a weekly segment, uh, Collectible of the Week. Uh, I like to highlight uh, a collectible that may be of interest to you guys. Um, as I mentioned many times, I am a collector. Um, not as big as I used to be, but you know, I still appreciate the fine world of collecting. And this week, I am going to highlight Build-A-Bear. Now, you're gonna be like, Build-A-Bear? Like, that's not for me. Um, you know, I'm not a eight-year-old kid who wants, you know, a teddy bear or what have you, or Build-A-Bear. In the Build-A-Bear workshop, when they first started, they were a great resource to kind of send bear gifts to people you know uh, it started as almost like a bear telegram type of company where you go there or or like an american girl that's what they call it right the one the expensive girl dolls uh you know kid dolls that you take your daughter to and 
you know, you, you buy her a dress and fix her hair or what have you. But it's kind of like along those lines where it was a place where you could just build your own custom teddy bear. Now, throughout the years, they've expanded and they've included a lot of like licenses and all that. You know, they're very big with Disney. I saw one recently where they have now a, a Lion King. So you could like build your own Simba. Uh, they have an Ursula. So you could kind of build your own Ursula, which is kind of cool. But it's because of that Build-A-Bear has come more into the, you know, to the front of collectors because the quality is great and the look and feel of these bears that you could custom make for yourself are so well done and will look great hanging around on a desk or a shelf or what have you. So recently they started, um, they have a new IP with uh, Lord of the Rings. So now you could build your own Lord of the Rings Build-A-Bear. You could have a Frodo uh, with his elven cloak and his own uh, ring that's dangling around his neck and what's great about it it has sound too so there are going to be five phrases that you could he'll be able to say uh, you could do your own Gandalf um, with his you know gold hat and get up with his own walking stick and his you know and all that um, really really cute um, and like I said the quality of these figures I mean these figures these dolls are, are just so well done. They even have an exclusive Gollum. Uh, if you think Gollum is cute, I mean, this iteration is not that bad. Um, but these are so very cute and very unique. And along with that, something that they've also done is they've started expanding their Star Wars line. Now you could have your own Jawa with sounds as well. And the Jawa, I have to say, is adorable. Like, this is one of the cutest things I have ever seen. Um, it's just, you know, he comes with his own little blaster. And also this, you know, like I said, this comes with sound as well. But just how adorable is that? For a, for a Star Wars collector, to have this on your shelf, I think, is the best thing ever. Now, of course, they have Grogu because of the Mandalorian. And I, out of all the Grogu dolls and figures out there I would have to say that this is probably one of the better looking ones um, it's soft the face I feel like they got correct um, and it just looks adorable it just looks so cute everything here is all about cuteness and all about bringing smiles and joys and joy to all of you guys smiles on your faces um, you know if you want Grogu in his little mobile pram they even have that for you there too um, and they're not cheap they're not cheap like the job will set you back 58 bucks Grogu will set you back 44 um, you know Frodo is like a good $63 Gandalf is 65 um, or 57 without the sound um, so you know they're not cheap um, but I think for the quality and you know just the fun the overall fun that these will provide yourself or your kids or a kid that you know a star wars fan that you know lord of the rings fan that you know i think it's well worth the cost so yeah build a bear i mean i may get one of these i don't know um i'm not really that big into a stuffed um collectibles that much these days um but who knows? You know, I, I have my little, my little, uh, my little Ewok, 
that I got. You know, I like my little Ewok who makes his own stuff. Yeah, I have my little my little Ewok. So who knows? I might add that to the collection there. But with that being said, guys, that is this week's episode. Uh, again, thank you so much for listening in and watching. Um, like I always say, spread the love. Um, share this with people who you might think find this type of content interesting. Um, if you find me interesting, you know, uh, do spread the love and share um, the easiest and cheapest way to show your support for the channel doesn't cost you a thing to hit that like button hit that subscribe if you haven't done so already and go to your podcast platform of choice follow the Loki Geek channel there and download the episodes and give them a listen and I will catch you all in the next episode until next time have a wonderful Labor Day weekend stay cool stay classy stay safe and I'll see all of you guys next time All right, y'all. Peace.